You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts, while the Lakers have two. Bryant, to shot! LeBron James with no regard for human life! Jordan. Oh, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan! And now, your host. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fisher. Welcome to our show. This is episode 7A. I'm Lauren Lee Chen, joined as always by the one and only Aaron Fishman. Joshua couldn't make it today, but we do have a guest, Stephen Anderson, who writes for Project Spurs, a great Spurs website on the Blogwin Network. Here's something you probably don't know about Stephen. He's read all of the Twilight books and has seen the movies about 15 times. He thinks the movies are better. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. How are you? We're good. Jumping right into it, the Spurs have gone off to a great start. They're 11-3 and now, and actually two of those losses were really close and probably could have gone the other way. How have they been so dominant again this season? I think it's just a matter of how the Spurs have been over the past couple of seasons or couple of centuries, if you want to call it that. I mean, they have been a well-oiled machine even before, you know, the whole LaMarcus Allridge signing and all that. It's just a matter of they know what what their bread and butter is. They know how to, uh, you know, get their points and they know what a team is. A team is not one player or it's about everybody chipping in. And that's what you have seen from the Spurs team. And you've seen other teams in the NBA try to illuminate that and try to make it also do the same thing. But I think that to answer your question, that's how they've been so dominant by not changing who they are. Yes, they add little pieces here and there, but they are the same team they've always been that we've seen them win five titles, uh, almost six, if it wasn't for Ray Allen. But, uh, right. you know, but I mean, you know, it's just a, uh, it, that's how they are. It, they're a very good team and uh, they know, they know what they need to do to get to get those wins. Obviously, everyone's talking about Golden State, who are off to a 15 and 0 start. Probably 16 and 0 by the time this is released. They're playing the Lakers right now. The Spurs have been flying a little bit under the radar. Do you think that's how they prefer it, with the media attention on other teams while they quietly put together another great season? Oh, 100%. I mean, Manu Ginobili recently said, I believe it was last night before the uh, the game against Phoenix, uh, which uh, he said, you know, Golden State can go 82-0 and 0 and we wouldn't really care because they the Spurs know that, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. And whether people talk about it or not, they honestly, they couldn't care less. I mean, Golden State could go, and maybe they will. I don't think so. They won't go 82-0, and 0, but I mean, they are going to have a very good season. And I mean, the Spurs prefer it under the radar. I wouldn't say they prefer under the radar, but it doesn't bother them if no one's talking about it. fans. I, I, I talked to some of the fans; they also they do prefer under the radar, and I'm pretty sure the Spurs quietly they'll never ever tell us that. But I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they prefer that as well. And I mean, it's better that way. I think one thing, and this has been consistent with the Spurs in recent seasons, that's been very effective is their defense. Their defensive rating this season is second in the league at 94.1. And we know that they have the reigning defensive player of the year in Kawhi Leonard. But outside of any one single defender, what makes the collective defense so strong this season? 
But the Spurs defense, as you guys said, is is number two in the NBA right now, and that and that is has been an uh, issue of concern last year. Uh, obviously, when they went seven games with the Los Angeles Clippers in that first round, that epic first round series, it was epic. Well, yeah, <laughs> I went to a couple games. That was just crazy, especially how it ended with the Chris Paul floater that almost got blocked. Oh yeah, it was a very very. I mean. I'm pretty sure I screamed at my TV. I, I can't remember, but I mean, I'm pretty sure that did happen. But and, I mean, and you're a jaded journalist, so that's saying a lot. <laughs> I mean, if you know, everybody screams at their TV, regardless. Of, I mean, I'm, I'm a. Let me put it this way, guys. I'm a Cowboys fan. I scream at my TV a lot. So um, no, but I mean, you know, the thing is, is that with the uh, Spurs and their defense, I mean, their defense has significantly improved. I mean, not to say it was bad last season, but I mean, this season it has been phenomenal to watch i mean they, they haven't allowed 100 points only but twice this season it shows obviously we have Kawhi lander but the thing is the spurs have had a mantra of help i mean you have danny green who's a good perimeter defender patty mills a good perimeter defender uh you have obviously tim duncan lamarcus Aldridge in the post i mean you have guys who know what their job is on the defensive end lamarcus Aldridge has not always been known for his defense uh, in portland Obviously, he was the main guy over there other than Damian Lillard. But this season, he has impressed me with his defense. And, I mean, I know people are going to flack on him for, um, you know, oh, he's not doing the 2020 he used to do in Portland. But you know what? He's not going to get that here. He's not going to be that guy. But his defense is what I have been most impressed with. And this first defense uh, altogether with those guys that I just mentioned, it makes for a very, very – good team and and it's gonna be hard to score against if you're anybody else in the nba yeah you touched on lamarcus aldridge we'll get to him in just a second as i said before even though it's a collective team effort you could reasonably argue that it's powered by Kawhi leonard he's the defense starts with him and one of my favorite topics to talk about and people who follow me on twitter will know this is Kawhi leonard's scary potential this guy is 24 years old and he's finally the guy offensively he's arrived on the scene as a two-way star he pretty much was was getting there for years now but how exciting has this been for you to see up close and personal just what he's been able to do he's he's just amazing he is everybody here in in San Antonio has the nickname for him the claw I mean just because his hands are huge you know and the way he just his eyes on defense is is something to behold i mean if you guys have ever been to a spurs game or, or seen a spurs game on tv you you know to watch out for him and he said it i think it was his rookie year or his second year in the nba about his defense where he he apparently i, I believe i mean i think he used to be do some football work and he would just see the ball the way it was passed. And it, it kind of came from that a little bit. The way Kawhi Leonard has been on defense, it is scary to watch. I mean, the guy shut down uh, Carmelo Anthony in New York this season. And it made life pretty difficult for him. So I, I believe there was a graphic also. He did the same thing to Kevin Durant in yeah. on opening night. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, if you shut down, I'm not going to say stop him because nobody can really stop a player. But if you can contain Kevin Durant... That's saying a lot. That really set the bar for Kawhi Leonard. His defense is something to really watch, and it is exciting. And, I mean, if you combine that with well, what he can do on offense, it's it's going to get good. And you guys said it. He's only – he's not even 30. I mean – He's not even 25. He's not even 25. And, and he's in – year. this is his fifth season currently. And 
he's only going to get better. And Tony Parker said it in an interview recently um, after a game where he said, uh, you know, this is Kawhi's team now. So Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, they, they've they've served their time, so to speak. I mean, not to say they're, they're old or anything, but I mean, you know, they're handing the reins now to a younger player and, and Kawhi is the perfect guy to give the reins to. There are advanced stats on a lot of different sites. Um, Vantage Sports, a site that I write for, they keep track of points against per shot. Kawhi Leonard's is something crazy like 0.7 where the average is like one or something. But his opposing field goal percentage is 30%. And that's when he's gone up against guys like Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant. And it's a small sample size. So you'd think that going against guys like that might skew it the other way. So that's very impressive. Also, his turnover rate is barely even there. You, he almost never turns it over, but he's been seeing more double teams. So I think that's an interesting evolution, too. Did you hear about uh, Popovich showing him footage of Charles Barkley handling double teams back in the day? I did. And, I mean, and, uh, apparently Charles Barkley was flattered at that. But, I mean, that's one, one part of Kawhi's game that he's going to have to learn a little bit. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, with Kawhi getting better each season and, obviously, uh, winning finals MVP in you know, 2014 – after the Spurs won their fifth title, the focus is going to be on him more, and the Spurs know that. So that's one area Kawhi is going to have to learn a little bit is how to play out of that double team, and hence why Popovich is is having him watch Charles Barkley tapes. Yeah. Uh, the guy is a very skilled player, not just basketball wise, but you know he's ve- a very intelligent person. And uh, I was at Spurs Media Day, and and. Just hearing him talk, he, I know he doesn't do a lot of media in the public eye, but here in San Antonio, when he does talk, you're going to listen because the guy's just a very intelligent person to talk to. Yeah, I think that's a great point, especially as him becoming kind of the leader of this ball club now. You mentioned LaMarcus Aldridge earlier. Integrating him will certainly be a process, regardless of how patient Spurs fans will be with that process playing out. He's shooting and scoring a lot less. His shot has been inconsistent. I'm curious your take on where that process is right now. And how about integrating him on defense? Has that been a more seamless transition? I think defense has been more uh, of a a seamless transition, yes. I mean, defensively, like I said earlier, the the guy knows what he needs to do near the rim. He's not going to go and and you know shove a guy just to have him not not make the uh, a shot near the rim. He's going to try to defend it the best he can. Uh, prime example is when the guy went back to Portland, uh, which was the Spurs' only visit to Portland. Uh, I might add this season, um, Damian Lillard was driving towards the basket, and Lamarcus just came in there and blocked his old teammate and sent that ball off the backboard into the hands of, of, of Tony Parker. So that proves right there that his defense is a seamless transition for him because we, we've seen him defend. We've seen him and Duncan in the paint together, which gives me flashbacks to David Robinson. Now, no, no, LaMarcus Aldridge is not like David Robinson in, in that way, but the defense-wise, he really is proving to be a very good asset. On the offensive side of the ball, it's going to take a little bit more time for LaMarcus. As you guys mentioned, his shot is inconsistent. 
That's just a matter of LaMarcus finding his shot, finding his rhythm. It will come the more he plays, the more he gets integrated into the system. And with the Spurs system, it, it does take some time to learn. I mean, I don't know it myself, so I, I can't comment any further on that. But from other players who have done interviews uh, with media, they say it takes some time to learn. It's very difficult to learn. Um, yes. but, but the thing is with LaMarcus, it's going to be a matter of him – trying to take himself out of the Portland mindset, which was, I need to score 20-something points for my team to win. With players like Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, of course him, Danny Green, he doesn't need to score those 20-something points for him for the Spurs to win a game. I think if LaMarcus Allwards can get his score in between 15 and 18 points, the Spurs will be just fine. I wanted to ask you, do you think LaMarcus Aldridge will be okay with his ankle? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, if he wasn't okay, there's no way in, in hell that Pop would even let him back in the game on Friday. Now, of course, when he was in the game on Friday, he obviously was hobbling a little bit, but he, he still scored 20. Uh, the past two games he's missed, I mean, if anybody knows Greg Popovich, if the guy has the, the, the sniffles, he's not going to play. <laughs> I mean, um, LaMarcus is fine. I, I believe it was more precautionary. Uh, him missing uh, the game against Phoenix than anything else. Um, he is uh, questionable for uh, tonight's game, which of course this will be aired. To- this will be released tomorrow, so it will be released today. But today uh, will be Wednesday. Okay, so Wednesday he's uh, <laughs> he, he is uh, questionable for Wednesday's game against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I, I do believe he'll play. Don't quote me on that. It's not as severe as it looked. It, it did look pretty bad. Now. Getting to just where the team is headed, in the not-too-distant future, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, and Ginobili will all be gone, especially Ginobili and and Duncan. Parker's a lot younger. I think people forget about that sometimes. But how confident are you in Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge taking over the reins? Do you think there will be growing pains, or is the structure strong enough that's already in place for quick success? I think that the transition won't – I mean, of course, watching Tim Duncan leave and Manu Ginobili, two guys who have been the backbone of a Spurs team for the past, what, 13, 14 years, something like that. I mean, it's been a very long process with these guys. And uh, the fans, even the writers, people who work with them, it's going to be hard to watch them leave. There's no doubt about that. Uh, As for the transition – that's going to happen. I don't think there will be any problems, hence why this team will be together for a full year. Um, I mean, I, I'm not saying that they're going to retire next year. I don't know. But, I mean, uh, this team will, will have been together for a full season. So in the event that Duncan and Ginobili do hang it up next year, I don't see any problems. I mean, uh, you can already see spurts of Leonard and, and Alridge working well together. We've seen the, the alley-oop dunks from Ulrich to Leonard in the past a little bit. We've seen uh, the pick-and-roll between Leonard and, Leonard and Ulrich. Those two are starting to work together, and, and I've noticed that uh, even um, – I notice it a lot more whenever I'm, <laughs> I'm at my, on my couch watching the game when they're on the road, and even whenever I'm in the stands at the AT&T Center watching them, I, I can just see the, the transition that, that these two guys are going to have, and it, it won't be a problem at all. Uh, at least with those two, it won't be a problem. Tim Duncan's 39 right now. He's going to turn 40 in April. Do you expect for this to be his last season? It seems like he's the type of guy that 
just one day over the off season, he's going to put out like a press release and just say he's retired <laughs> and not make a big deal about it and make a f- farewell tour of any kind. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I think Tim Duncan could play until he's about 80. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, no the, the answer here is um, I, I don't. I don't know if it'll be Tim, Timmy's last year. He did sign a, a, a one-year deal, I believe, in the off-season. One or two years, I believe. I'm, I'm not too too sure on that. But uh, I, I, I don't know. He's playing very well. I mean, of course, he is 39 years old. He will be uh, age 40 uh, when the season is over. Will he – a farewell tour? I, I doubt it. I, I don't see Duncan doing a farewell tour. Uh, it's not in his personality. Timmy hates the spotlight. Media Day is his favorite day. We all know that. I mean, no, Pop and Timmy's favorite day is media day. We, we, we all know how much they love the media. No, but I mean, in all seriousness, I, I don't see Tim Duncan having a farewell tour. All of us journalists, all of us writers uh, have a running joke that uh, if the Spurs win the championship in his uh, presser in the post game, he's like, all right, guys, I'm done. And that's the <laughs> last time you'll see him. <laughs> you won't see him till that jersey goes up at the AT&T Center. No, but I mean, we don't, uh, we don't know. I don't know if, if it's his last season. Um, we, we've been saying it for years. <laughs> we've been saying it for years. Oh, he's done. But he keeps proving us wrong, doesn't he? Yeah. Two of the other guys that we talked about, Manu and Tony Parker, coming into this season, people were really wondering what they could still contribute. Manu at 38 years old, and especially Parker, seemed to have a lot of struggles during the summer international play. But... Once again, Manu's making a huge impact. Parker's still aggressive offensively and has been having a great season. Is it just the Spurs system that is able to allow these guys to continue this high level of play? Or, I don't know, is it some sort of rope-a-dope that they're doing with us? (laughs) Rope-a-dope? I've never heard that before. Um, Well, uh, to answer the question, let me see... Um, well, you know, it's the Spurs system. I mean, the, the Pop knows, you know, if it, 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 it's all Greg Popovich and the whole Spurs system. I mean, um, a couple of years ago, TNT caught um, Parker and, and Popovich on the sideline, and, and Pop was asking Parker, you know, how long have you played? It'll be like if you play 10 more minutes, it's going to be 39 minutes for the game. And Tony shot back and says, I'm, I'm only 29 years old, Pop. I, I, I didn't play for two days. I mean, it, 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 it's just Pop's – the way Pop is. I mean, he, he knows when to rest, rest his guys. We know, obviously, a couple of years ago with the whole Miami on TNT, the rest gate is what we call it here mm-hmm. in Texas uh, whenever the Spurs got fined for sending the players home and all that. Pop knows, obviously, I'm not going to play my guys – if we're up by 25 in the fourth quarter, I mean, what's the point? We won the game or we lost the game or whatever the case may be. It's the Spurs system. Of course, not all of it can be said for the Spurs system. Mario Ginobili did do some, did something over the summer. He took some juice or took some, I don't know, whatever he did. But, I mean, the guy is playing like he's about 26 years old, 27. He There's some moves that, that – a 38-year-old should not be making, and he does. And he looks very, very good. Knock on wood, I don't want to jinx it, but he looks very, very good to start this season. And that's a very good sign for the Spurs. I just want to clarify the juice that Steven was referring to was legal, in fact. It's legal juice, like fruit juice. Yes, I was thinking more like orange juice or pineapple juice. Not not, not the other it, kind of juice. Not the other kind of juice, no. Don't sue our podcast, please. <laughs> I was cl- clearly meaning orange juice, guys. It's okay, we can safe. move on. We're safe. <laughs> so, 
just getting to David West, it's kind of like um, indicative of the culture in San Antonio here with the Spurs that not a lot of individual accolades come come the Stars' way. Like Tim Duncan hasn't won um, an MVP in a while. And now David West's minutes are way down. True, he is 35 years old, but I can't help but wonder how David West feels about his diminished role compared to last season. I mean, I'm sure he came to San Antonio to win, and that's his utmost priority. But, Stephen, from your perspective, how is he approaching what he's doing with the Spurs this season? As you guys said, he his main goal is to win. David West did an interview with Fox Sports Southwest uh, a couple of weeks ago. And they asked him, you know, your minutes are down, your numbers are down, you know, does that bother you? And his answer was, if I cared about playing, I would I would have stayed in Indiana. Um, obviously, he gave up a whole lot of money to come to San Antonio, and you know, rightly so. I mean, it, it's it's shown the type of person that he is, and not someone who's money hungry. He says, I've done all that. I want to win a ring, and I believe that San Antonio is the place where I can do that. It just shows the type of guy that he is, and. He doesn't really care about his stats. I mean, I mean, of course, I'm sure he does. But I mean, the overall picture, he he sees the bigger picture. He sees the winning. And the thing is, is he may not be playing a lot, but when he's in there, he shows. You know, I can be effective because honestly, he could be a starter on so many teams right now. Yeah, his minutes are basically cut in half from last season, but he is 35, and he's been so efficient when he's been in there. Just really making an impact. Now, going elsewhere on the bench, Patty Mills has had an increased role. Now he's the backup point guard with Corey Joseph gone to Toronto. And Patty Mills has really been taking advantage of it. He's hitting his shots. He's getting his teammates involved. To what extent do you think he's just a more confident player? And how does that uh, inform how well he's been doing so far? Oh, remember last season, uh, he was work coming off of a, a shoulder surgery yep. that he suffered. So he was, he was, and this season he's he's healthy again. Knock on wood, he's healthy. But the thing is, is that you know Patty Mills is a very good player, both offensively and defensively. He his role, obviously, he is Tony Parker's backup with Corey Joseph gone. Now, last season, Corey Joseph was the third guy off the bench. Unless, uh, obviously, with Mills out, he was second. But when Mills got back, he was the third guy off the bench. Um, with Patty Mills being the type of guy that he is on offense and on defense, it just shows his confidence can go from zero to 100 very quickly. And, I mean, it only takes one shot. And with that three falls, that first three, you know you're in for a very good night. Now, there are some nights where Patty gets a little, you know, about shoot my jumper kind of happy where it's not going in all the time, but he makes up for it on defense. He for, he forces uh, guys like James Harden, who we saw him, uh, he forced James Harden into a turnover late in the game last season when he returned. Um, you know, it's just the guy's defense where he makes up. If he's not doing well on offense, he makes up for it on his defense. And you cannot say that about a lot of players. I hate to bring up the Warriors again on a Spurs podcast, obviously, but we talked about the fact that they're undefeated right now, but actually they've been tested in a few of their recent games, and I think it just shows that they're, they might be unbeaten right now, but they're not unbeatable. Can you give us a little bit of a blueprint of what needs to happen for the Spurs to be able to beat the Warriors in a seven-game playoff series? 
Oh, you want me to give away our secrets? I see how it is. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, wait, the Warriors are undefeated? I, I had no idea. It's the not although The media, yeah, they're not reporting on it at all. <laughs> they're not invincible. I mean, for anybody out there, they're not invincible. They are they are beatable, as we saw the Clippers blow a 23-point lead against them. Uh, the Clippers actually had a lead twice against them, I do believe, once in mm-hmm. Golden State and once in Los Angeles. So this team is not invincible they are they have a very good chance of getting beaten but uh for the spurs i like their chances i do believe that they are a team that can challenge the warriors obviously in the west and obviously the 11 and 3 record speaks for itself i mean obviously golden state uh 16 and 0 so they'll probably be 16 and 0 in about five minutes it does speak for itself the the, the what i am interested in last time the spurs and warriors played uh was last season and the Spurs beat them, uh, I believe, by 20-something points here at the AT&T Center. And I believe that they beat them also in Golden State. So, I mean, the thing is with the with the Warriors and with the Spurs, they the, the two teams match up very well together. You have Kawhi Leonard, obviously. We've talked about Kawhi Leonard already, what he can do offensively and defensively. Um, we have Draymond Green for Golden State. So those two guys are going to be going head-to-head. And so two teams who are per- basically evenly matched. What do the Spurs need to do? Well, there's a certain guy on the team. I don't know if you heard of him, uh, Stephen Curry, uh, <laughs> who, who – it would be a good idea to stop him, j- just saying. You know, Stephen Curry, um, there's only a certain number of teams that could really defend him well. And I think Kawhi Leonard on him, you won't stop him from scoring – but you will make it pretty difficult. Let me put it that way. As far as stopping them, you don't want them to take that many threes. You're going to want to make somebody else other than Curry and Thompson beat you. And that's Popovich's, uh, I guess, I'm not going to say mindset, but the, the, what, the way is what he wants. He wants to see somebody else other than the big stars beat you. And if if Andre Iguodala hits a three to win the game for Golden State against the Spurs, then you know it's so be it. But if you can stop Curry and limit Thompson, then I like their chances against Golden State. I really do. Yeah, I think if, especially since Kawhi is one of the few players in this league that can really guard both Draymond Green and Steph Curry in that uh, screening situation. Shifting gears now, Becky Hammond is a s- assistant coach for the Spurs, and she she actually coached the Spurs to a summer league championship this year. Can you speak a little bit about her role on the team, uh, what she does in the day to day, and also? about her broader significance to the league? I can. Uh, I had the uh, had the opportunity of meeting Becky. Uh, I, I take that back. I actually covered Becky uh, it, whenever she was here with the San Antonio Stars, the WNBA. I had the chance of covering her final season in the WNBA. And her mindset, just to see her uh, in the, those huddles with, with the other ladies, you know, she um, she is a very skilled, highly intelligent woman that knows basketball, and whenever it was announced that the Spurs were hiring her, um, at the time, it, there was still the WNBA season going on. And I had people tweeting me, commenting to me, and also people, some people, fans were asking me, you know, she's a woman. What does she know about the men's game? Well, to defend that, I mean, the pick and roll in the men's game is a pick and roll in the, in the women's game. And mm-hmm. that, those are Becky's words. Those are not my words. Those are her words. And she's right. I mean, yes, I know – the women may not be able to dunk unless you're Brittany Griner, but I mean, you know, the, it is a it is the game is similar. So I don't know where people came up with, oh, well, she doesn't know what she's going to do. She, the, she can't coach men. Clearly, she proved that wrong when she won the Summer League Championship. I mean, 
Becky on this team has been a good addition. Uh, she's what she does is she's basically a scout, so she goes to the scouts of the team. She gives reports. Now, what type of reports she gets, I couldn't tell you, but I mean, she's respected. I can t- I do know for a fact that she is respected within the organization. Um, this past summer, she did um, make an appearance at the uh, Freeman Coliseum since the AT and T Center was under renovations. That's what the Stars were playing this past summer, and uh, she was there for Sophia Young Malcolm's retirement night, which was her teammate for I believe eight seasons. And we had the opportunity to speak with her at halftime, and about obviously everybody was asking her about Lamarcus Allridge and all that stuff. But I had the opportunity to ask her, you know, what's the biggest thing you've learned? from your first season coming into this current season. And she told me, she said, we don't have enough time for me to tell you everything, <laughs> but she was in the short and to make it short, she says, you know, I can tell you that I, I've learned so much. She said, I've learned that, that obviously she found out more about herself doing spurs than she's ever found out about herself while playing basketball. I mean, yeah, she found out a lot there too, but doing spurs and seeing how things work from the inside out and being going from player in the WNBA to coach Hammond to coaching to the summer league championship. I mean, she's been a great thing. And, we, and what is the effect? Well, look, look what we have. Nancy Lieberman, now an assistant coach with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, you have the first uh, female assistant coach in the NFL, the first female referee in the NFL. You have the first sports broadcaster. I believe it's in. Um, it's definitely so, ready in Charlotte. There we go. That's who it is. So, uh, so you have, um, Females are taking over, and I, I honestly, as a guy, I, I welcome that. I, I have friends uh, currently who I work with right now who are trying to do do that, and I welcome that. We need more women in the sports world. I, yeah. I 100% champion that. I think it's exciting, and particularly in leadership roles. Now, talking about a player again, Danny Green, who's a critical part of the Spurs' success over the years, he's been struggling, not hitting shots from three-point range or really anywhere. Here and there, he has a strong shooting night. But I'm going to ask you a yes or no question. <clears throat> is there a cause for concern, do you think, with Danny Green? Yes. Okay, then I, I want to hear why. <laughs> okay. I-, I had to think about that for a minute. <laughs> I was going to say yes and no, but since you- it's just a one-word answer, I say yes. I-, I-, I thought you might say no because he's over 40% from long range every year. He's kind of one of the more consistent outside shooters in the league. He is, but see, guys, here's the problem that I have with Danny. I mean, Danny, obviously, this season hasn't been hitting his target. Obviously, his target would be uh, the basket, and he hasn't been hitting that. This season, obviously, has not has been a little bit of a struggle to start. Is there concern in the long run? No. Is there concern right now? Maybe. And the reason I say that is because uh, the Spurs offensively, uh, you know, obviously with – I was about to say Kawhi Leonard. With uh, LaMarcus Aldridge being integrated in there, it makes it a little bit more difficult to score. And the offense is getting there. Don't get me wrong. The offense is getting there. Danny Green, we're going to need those threes when the playoffs come or when, you know, we play Golden State or the, the Thunder or whoever. You know, we're going to need some of those. Um, if he's not hitting, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult to score. Uh, one three-point threat it goes away. It makes things difficult. We, I was joking a little bit yesterday. I was like, the guy needs to pull some Stephen Curry and get in the gym and shoot like 100 threes. But, I mean, it'll come. I do believe it will come. Um, as you guys said, he is more. He has been one of the more consistent shooters, over 40% from three in the past couple of seasons. So I do believe the number will go up as the season goes on. But if you're talking about the Spurs right now, currently, 
who have a game today against the Mavericks. Is it concerning? Yes, because I would like to see him, you know, start hitting his shots because right now the offense isn't playing Spurs offense. They're playing, you know, we're still learning to play together. And Danny Green knows how to play with this team. So that's my concern as of right now, currently on November 25th. That's my concern. But will it be my concern come April? I don't think so. Okay, this will be the last question. And this is something that's been on everyone's mind for a few days now. Who would win in a foot race between Tim Duncan and (laughs) Kyle Anderson? (laughs) Um, Let me ask you, how far are they going? (laughs) Uh, Length of the court. Oh, good God. Okay, um, I'm going to say Kyle Anderson. No, I take that back. Tim Duncan, barely. Because Tim Duncan, yes, he's 39 He's grandpa. He's old, the oldest guy on the team. He's going to be forty, but the guy can move. If you're going down one, if you're going down that court once, I like Tim Duncan's chances. If you're going down more than once, Kyle Anderson for sure. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us, Stephen. It was great to have you on. It was great talking to you. Yeah, for sure. No problem. I enjoyed it. Thanks, guys, for having me. I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune back for our banter episode later in the week for more Spurs Talk.